If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 11. I don't know if there's a better key scripture that talks about the game plan of generosity and the blueprint of giving like 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 11. Corinthians is an interesting book. There's two letters. The first one, Paul was talking to his family, and he was trying to help them a little bit with some correction and some conduct. They have some conduct issues, and so he was bringing correction in a very grace-filled way, in a very uh, loving way. And then he follows up with a letter called 2 Corinthians, which is interesting to me that that book is really full of of three topics, unity, come on union, uh, forgiveness, and generosity. And he said, now that you've now that you have corrected your conduct, now that you've had some change in your life, now that you've had some transformation in your life, now that you've realized there's some things that you've, you're, you're walking in freedom now, since you're walking in freedom, then there's going to be some things that take place. You're going to be more unified. We're going to come together as one. You're going to walk in forgiveness. You're not going to be bitter. You're not going to be angry. And the expression of that is going to be through generosity. And he uses a lot of verses. I'm not sure in any other epistle there's this many verses that is dedicated to generosity like we find in 2 Corinthians. Most people believe that it is the, it is the greatest portion of theology on generosity is in these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And you'll get some of it in chapter 8. even goes all over uh, into some other verse. So I'm going to read the middle portion of this theology of giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give. Just right there. So each, each of you should give. All of us should be a giver. There's not an exemption from giving as it relates to being a person that loves the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just attached. You can't undetach giving from the gospel. It goes together. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. There's a decision in your heart that you make. What you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly. You don't go about giving where there's there's a, "Mm, I don't know. Hmm. Not sure about that. I'm reluctant. That means it's, it's, we're, we're, we're not all in. What I love about a serve day, FYI, is it's an all call. Everybody serve it on July the 10th. Everybody serves. It's not one of those things, hmm, I don't know if I'm called to serve. Nope, called to serve. Hey, I'm not sure if I'm a giver. Nope, called to give. Don't be reluctant or under compulsion. That means something weird, pressure. I don't like being around anybody who's trying to pressure me to give, making me feel weird or or creeping me out as it relates to generosity. None of that happens here. That's not the kind of church that you're in. But it goes on to say in the middle, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every, every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered, that's a farming term, scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Interesting verse that the Bible ties in, scattering our gifts to the poor to righteousness. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, thank God, and bread for food. I'm so blessed how God has blessed my life and gets me, have a little bread in my, my pantry and he, he takes care of me. But then he'll also 
uh, supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest for the righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Giving, generosity is not just one thing. It's expressed many different ways. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Can I have a good amen for God's word? Here's what's amazing. In the middle of this theology of giving, where Paul is teaching and he's talking about Titus and he's talking about how you've been so blessed to support as we've reached out to people, all this thing. In the middle of what I think is so fascinating about this passage of scripture, there's nowhere else that it says this. It says this thing about God. It describes God. Sometimes we wonder, what is God like? What God thinks about me? I wonder what God's thinking. What does God, what is God like? And it tells us in the middle of this passage that there's something that God Almighty loves. I didn't know that. I thought there's only one thing that God loves. We find that in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But really, when you look in the Bible, there's not a lot of scripture that tells us what God loves. It's not that, it's not that direct we know he loves the world. We know he loves people. We know all these different, he, he loves humanity. He, he, he loves the broken. Uh, he, he, he loves the, all these different things. But here it's so simple. It says this phrase, God loves a cheerful giver. That blows my mind. That in the middle of that is just some commentary. FYI, y'all need to know something, that there's something that God loves. He loves a cheerful giver. Why would he say that? I know how important John 3, 16 is. I know how it's the big hook we hang the gospel on, that God so loves the world. I'll die for that. I'll preach that till, till it's over. But you mean to tell me that there's something else that's as equal, that God loves a cheerful giver? Why would God connect himself and his love and affection to giving and generosity? Because it's the same as John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Never more like God than when we give. Never more like God than when we give. That's what Mother Teresa said. I like that idea. I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about you, how do you love what God loves? I want to love what God loves because God loves me so much. I mean, he's loved me through my worst moments. He's loved me in my bad seasons. He's loved me when I was unlovable. I want to love what God loves. I want to be a cheerful. If God loves a cheerful giver, I want to be a cheerful giver. You know, when I, when I, when I fell in love with my, my wife, I was in love with my wife when she was in like with me. That's a problem, my friend. When you say, girl, look, look at me, girl. Look at me. I love you. I'm right here. And she says, thank you. Don't, don't go buy that ring yet. Hold up on that ring. I told my wife, girl, look at me. We got out of the car. It's in my Zuzu Impulse. Got out of my Zuzu. Girl, look at me before we go in here, before we eat. We were at Arby's. About to rock them curly flies. Boy, you know, I'm about to bust up on that BBQ. Walking in at Arby's. I stopped in front of the car. I said, you need to know something. I love you. She said, thank you. Let's go get a roast beef. So here's what I realized. I loved her. I started loving what she loved because I loved her. 
So she, I found out she loves certain type of chocolate. Every day I was going to get that candy bar. Her mother told me, you know, one of the things she loves, she loves those little precious moments, statues. Man, I spent days at Walmart ordering them little big-headed statues and, and, you know, flying a kite and pushing a wheelbarrow. I bought her all those little, little statues. I found out she loved going to craft shows. I hated going to craft shows, but I began to love going to craft because when I found out she loved, oh, I love that too. You love, I love it too. That's my favorite color. I love khaki too. Why? Because I loved her. Guess what? I want to love what God loves because he's loved me so much. I need the love of God in my life. I need the forgiveness of God in my life. I need the second chance. I want to love. And the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Lord, let me be that. I want to live that way with my life. That word cheerful, Greek word hilarious. We get the word hilarious. You go in the dictionary, look up the word hilarious. Here's the definition. Don't even need to read it. Just click the icon that says speaker. It'll do this. <laughs> hilarious is like, what? Oh, we, we, Pastor Jimmy and I, Pastor Steve and I, we spent some time eating some crabs yesterday, felt the Holy Ghost, and in the middle of that, we started telling hilarious stories about life and marriage and kids and church. We didn't say, stop it. I don't need nothing hilarious in my life right now. Tell me a negative story. Tell me a, tell me a serious story. I invite hilarious. I want hilarious. I don't block hilarious. I want hilarious in my, hilarious makes my life better. And the Bible says that God Almighty loves a hilarious giver. When we get to the giving moment, when we get to serve or we get to give, it should be the most exciting time of our moment when we get to share with a neighbor, when we get to give somebody a ride, when we get to help somebody at a gas station, when we get to expand a campus, when we get to give a year-end offering. It's the most incredible time. Why? Because God loves that moment. I want to be a part of that. Love how the Bible teaches us that. So Lord, I want to live in that. I want to follow that blueprint. I believe there's nothing that brings more freedom into your life than generosity. You live with an open hand and open heart? Because I'm going to tell you right now, selfishness is bondage. Selfishness will bind you up, bind up your marriage. I, when, so when, when I came to Christ, uh, I had a first pastor. He was an incredible man. A little angry preacher now. Long-winded preacher, preacher a little angry, try to run you off. But he was a good man. He said, if you don't like it, don't let the back door hit you in the backside. And five people waiting on your seat. Go on and leave. So like, well, ain't but 30 of us in here. Can we invite them five up in here? Preach a whole series on a Sunday. Whole Blueprint series one Sunday. Couldn't find a runway. He couldn't land that plane. It was right in front of him. He's going to go around one more time. Godly man, confronter, would confront you. And he didn't like confront you in counseling around the offering. He confront you in the foyer of the church. Just confront you right in the foyer. Just, one Sunday I've been a Christian, I'm 19 years old, just got saved, never went to church, didn't know nothing. He confronted me in the foyer. Brother Rizzo, Brother Rizzo, I'm 19 years old. I'm like, my, my granddaddy ain't here. I don't know. 
we Catholic. We're not brothers. I mean, we, I was raised Catholic. So I, Brother Rizzo, can you come see me for a second? Can you come over and see me? Four, you're about six by six. I'm right here. Three of my friends here. And didn't have an inside voice. You know that person that, can't, that doesn't have an inside voice? Everything they tell you, everybody's, it's in everybody's business. Why are you telling my business, everybody? He let me said, Brother Rizzo, I'm concerned, concerned about your life, concerned about your future. I'm like, oh, Lord, he done found out. <laughs> he said, you're not giving. Concerned about your life, concerned about your future. I said, no, I, I gave, I gave yesterday. He said, no, you're not tithing. He said, you're tipping God. He said, and in the foyer of the church, at 19 years old, he taught me the principle of generosity because he knew some things about life and future that I did not know. He knew some things about marriage. He knew some things about parenting. He knew some things about leadership. He knew some things about being an entrepreneur. He knew some things about serving, and he knew that all of those things would stay broken if I didn't understand generosity in my life. I made a decision at 19 years old, a decision I do not regret. I made some other decisions at 19 years old that I regret, but this is not one of them. I made a decision that day that I would be faithful in the tithe and offering for the rest of my life through the local church. I am 56 years old. That was 37 years ago. I have zero regrets about anything I've ever given through the local church. Not one regret. I got some other things I wish I wouldn't have given through. Oh, come on, somebody. I got some other things I've bought. I got some other things I invested in. I got some other things where my money went and my resource and my time and my talent went. But I do not regret. I am not reluctant, nor do I have remorse over anything I have deposited into the kingdom of God. And I made a decision to do two things. I said, I made a decision. I'm going to be a tither. So at 19 years old, I decided I'm going to tithe. So that means I'm going to give a tenth of what God gives me. Here's what I believe about time. And I want you to learn. I want to teach you this. And many of you know this. You're giving church. Pastor Stephen has shared with me the generosity of this house. So I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You're generous people. But I want you to know this. Two things. I think the tithe for me is when I give afterwards. The Lord has blessed me. I got paid this week. I got paid this month. I was babysitting. I was Uber driving, I was helping somebody in a medicalist, and I got my job, I received. And then I get my, I, he, he supplies seed to the sower, and then I take that seed and I give him a tenth, and I give it to him first. I see that as worship and love. So I get, so God gives me 10 Skittles, I take one of them, and I give them back to God. I return the tithe through the local church for the work of the ministry. So it's just, it's just afterwards. Thank you, Lord. You've been, thank you for supplying. Thank you for giving bread. To the, to thank you for giving us bread and our family. But then I made a decision. And can I tell you something? I, don't, I have tithe 
For, I started tie, I was working at the Shark's Tooth Hut, and I was tithing, making $1.75 an hour. I moved over to the airbrush uh, boot, booth, and I was airbrushing T-shirts, glory to God. I started doing landscaping. I was laying sod. I was selling T-shirts, all these different things. I got promoted two years later. I'm running like a footlocker, selling kicks and things like that. I have tithed in all of my jobs and all of my opportunities. I have been a tither through all of these expressions. But then there's an over and above giver. That's where, to me, over and above is giving beforehand. That means you're sowing, you're spreading seed before. It's like a farmer who goes and plants seed and puts it in the ground and then trusts God that something's going to come up. I can't see it. I have buried it. But I believe as I have buried it, there's going to be a harvest that's going to come up out of the ground. I'm doing something today that's going to change somebody's tomorrow. Offering Offering is the right decision today. That's speaking to my tomorrow. It's the idea of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive someone before they ask me to forgive them. I'm doing that beforehand. I'm going to love my neighbor when they hate on me. I'm going to be kind to that coworker when they're not being kind back to me. I'm going to, I'm going to, so, hey, I'm going to give to a campus that is not yet there, but somebody's going to be at that campus. You've already expanded at a campus. Guess what? You've already given for that. Can I tell you something that's amazing about Union Church? You've already given and provided through your year in giving that was almost, was over a million dollars. Think about that. You came together to give over and above a million dollars to plant a campus, and the campus is not yet there, but it's already paid for. That's beforehand. Nobody worshiping, nobody getting saved, but it's provided because guess what? They will be there. It's beforehand. So when I go to Popeye's and I feel led by the Holy Ghost to buy a second biscuit, I'm buying it beforehand because I'm believing I'm going to run into somebody throughout the morning who's going to need another sausage biscuit. And guess what? If they don't get that sausage biscuit, that means I got two. Come on, somebody. I'm not getting three donuts to go to work. I'm getting a whole dozen because I'm going to go to work and say, hey, y'all, I just got y'all some extra donuts. I know y'all don't like me. Y'all don't talk to me, but I got donuts in the break room because I believe that somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's going to come to Union Church, and even though you're not acting like it, you're going to come to my small group because I sowed a donut into your life. I did it beforehand. I was at a church in Dallas just a while ago, and we, the pastor said, come early. I got to show you one of our expansions. I was thinking about children's room, foyer, and, and we walk outside. It's hot. We walk outside. Look, look at there. Look at that. What am I looking at? So look at all that concrete. Look at that concrete. He said, we just, we just poured 400 new spaces. It opens next week. Look at that. I said, my God, I ain't never seen concrete like that in my life. Lord, Lord, gee, I got blessed. I'm getting blessed. Shook me all up. So look at, the, look at that drainage. Look at the sweat. Look at the curbs. Look at the way they brushed that and finished it. Look at that. Look at that sidewalk. My God, the Lord is going to use that. And I, and I told him, I said, somebody paid. He said, they gave $800,000 over and above their tithe. Before anybody even drove on the parking lot. So we did it beforehand. 
But then in three weeks from now, a family's going to pull in for the first time and say, come on, y'all, we're going on in there. We need a little help. And they're going to get, they're going to hear worship and they're going to hear a word, and their kids are going to get checked in in the kids' area. Next thing you know, they're going to join a small group. Hey, who knows? In two years from now, they may be leading a small group. They were not yet here, but somebody paid for concrete for a car to park, for a family to get healed, for somebody to get free from addiction, for somebody to get healed from anxiety. I did it beforehand. And God says, that's what I love. I love people that are cheerful with their generosity because I use it to increase the harvest. It's the kingdom of God. It's the, it's the blueprint to me of freedom. You want to live a life of freedom? Then just live a life of generosity. I'm, I'm going to give you three things. You say, well, Dan, how, does, how do I follow that blueprint? Your, your pastor is such a great teacher of the word. I'm going to teach you. Here's the first thing. Just start. Just start giving. What's the, what's the most in, important step of any journey? It's the first step. Just go right now. Go on, leave here and say, I'm going online, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to fill that thing out. I'm going to figure out that. I'm going to, I'm going to set up text to give. That's what our family does. We do text to give. Just start. And, 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 and just, well, Dina, I'm going to do it when I get more. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, you will not. It, it, that, doesn't, that doesn't work that way. And don't be that person who's about to bless somebody. <laughs> oh, I'm about to give to that church. I'm about to, I'm about to really bless somebody today. No, no. If, if, if you're, uh, forgive me not spoken does no good. Words, not, words that are just thought about but are not spoken don't bring life. You want to bless my neighbor who's going through cancer, but I never put the meal together and walk across the yard and knock on their door and say, I know you don't know me, but I know you've been going back and forth to chemotherapy. I just want to bring you a little soup. That idea is amazing. But if we don't get out that pot, we don't get that chicken broth, and we don't walk that yard, she don't get blessed. So you just start, you cook the meal, you give the offering, you wash the car, you pause at Starbucks and pay for the person behind, you do those, you just start. And then the second area is let's do it together. Because we can do more together than all by myself. I can't, I can't dig a well in India for people who don't have water, but we dig a well in India. I can't launch a campus we can launch a campus. I can't plant 59 churches all by myself. We, we planted 59 churches. We can do it. Why? We just do things together. That's why I made the decision. It's going to be through the local church. And then the fourth thing, or the third thing, is when you do all that, watch God move in your more. Just watch God move. God will move. Oh, my goodness. You know, I love how the little boy with the few loaves of bread and the fishes didn't say, well, I don't have much to give. It's not going to make a difference. He just gave it to God, and then God took what he had, and he just moved, made it more. It's kind of how it works. Lord, take, take my life. As a single mom, as a blended family, just take my life. Here it is. I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give it to you. And then God just moves in it and makes it more. And it's an incredible thing when you and I live a life of a cheerful giver.
God will move in it. You know, we went through a, a crazy time in Louisiana when I was pastored in Baton Rouge for 20 years. We went through a little thing called Katrina. Some of you may remember that. Some of you don't. It was a, a landmark, painful time for us in, in the Gulf Coast. And I remember when it came on shore and all the things. We were a church that were helping people. We were feeding, doing the things you do and doing serve days. But something about that moment, we just felt we needed to do more. Let's give our, let's get, it's an all call. And every campus, all of us just said, we're going to do everything we can as long as we need to, to hurt hurting humanity. It was a tragedy what was going on in New Orleans. So we were one of the first exits out of New Orleans towards Baton Rouge. So we opened up our campus, started feeding people, started clothing people, just all, everything we had, let's do it. And first, second day of the storm, after the storm left, second day, we fed 2,500 people in our parking lot. We started doing more. Started giving out gasoline. Called a, a fuel company and said, can you get a truck over here? People are running out of gas all on our road. Ain't got no ice. It got baby formula. Got medicine. I need, a, I need a pharmacist over here. We got to fill prescriptions. I got senior adults that have lost their ID and they don't, they, they don't, they don't know where their doctor is. And I got those who, who need dialysis and those who are struggling with diabetes. I need, I need a medical tent. Let's, let's, let's do it. Hey, ninth day of the storm, after storm, 7,000 people were on our property that day. We gave everything to it. And I remember just, we were exhausted. Six in the morning, we opened up four or five shelters at our other locations. We we're giving ourselves to it. And my wife had gone up to Mississippi with the kids. I was living at the church. And one morning at 1 a.m. in the morning, I came out of my office and we were closed down, going to open back up at 6 a.m. I was going to go home and take a nap. And I walked out and I was, went over and saw the people that were closing up the, the containers and sweeping up. It was like a Walmart in our parking lot. Acres and acres of resources that the people have given. And there was a, a, an engineer that said, hey, pastor, thanks for letting us serve today. I'm a, you mind if I sleep in the parking lot? I got to go to shift work. I got to be at 5 a.m. Another was a single mom. She said, my babies are sleeping in the car. I'm going to run home put him down, but I'll be back tomorrow. Thank you, Pastor. Another guy was a businessman, very wealthy businessman. He said, I'm going to have to jump on a plane, go somewhere tomorrow, but I'll be back in three days and I will serve. I said, man, thank you guys. I'm exhausted. I'm going home. I was pulling out of the parking lot and I noticed a car riding around our front building. We didn't let anybody stay on our property at night. We just wasn't, we were staying other places. And I just was pulling out of the car and I saw that. I said, man, one more person to serve. Oh, man. We're closed, so I pulled on out. I was going on home, and the Lord interrupted me. How many knows the Lord remember all those prayers? Lord, take everything. You have it all. He said, you're going to turn them away? What about if I don't send you anybody tomorrow? Will you be happy then? I turned the car around, kind of screeched a little bit. How many of you let the Lord know? Okay. I'm going to obey you, but I'm going to obey you mad. I pulled back on property, waved them down. I said, listen, man, we're closed in the back. I can't open. I can't ask those people to open all that back up. But I'll let you in the restroom. And nine people got out of this Honda. The gentleman who got out of it said, we've been in the water nine days. We walked out, found a vehicle. And we stopped here because we heard you help people. Last one, that was a little two-year-old toddler. Full diaper. Mess from its head to its from head, to, head to feet. I've been in Cambodia. I've been in the AIDS camps in Mozambique. It was the dirtiest child I'd ever seen in my life. Filthy. And, and it walked in the bathroom, and I just stood there. Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I have sent you a gift. I sent them to you as a gift. It's a gift from God. They came out. I said, I'm just so sorry. Let me go back and see if they'll open up the containers. They've been here all day long. I, I apologize. We rode back there. 
three people getting in their cars. Excuse me, team, excuse me, I'm so sorry. But we've got another family who needs help. Here's the team's reaction. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Yay! Woo! Clapping, high-fiving. We were hoping for one more person to serve. We just wanted to help one more family. And their single mom's like, yes! Woo! I'm just standing there like, okay, you now the pastor of the church. God bless you. I'm going to hell. I'm going on to hell. I ain't worth a dime. We love that family. 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm wiping that child off with wipes. We fuel their car. We give them money. We give them ice. They go to Shreveport. Last one in was that little toddler. Had a clean one. Had a tight diaper on. How I many there's ain't nothing like a blessing of a tight diaper? Come on, somebody. They got in that car. They rode off. And those people looked at me and said, thank you. Thank you for letting us serve. And I stood there as everybody drove off our property. And in my heart, I thought, I don't know if we've ever been a good church. But we were a good church tonight. We were a church that God loves. God loves us tonight. I felt the love of God in that moment. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Union Church, you are those people. This is that church. That is your future. That is what God has more for you to help the hurting, to love the broken. And he loves it when we're that church. Let's be those people, amen. Let's bow our heads, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Just one moment, one of our pastors is gonna come and help you take that next step. But Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that all over the world they will hear of the cheerful givers of Union Church. You scan the planet. You love looking at these people. You love them. Because they're marked by generosity. Thank you for loving us. Let this be that church known around the world. Maybe you're here today and you feel far from God. You need a new beginning. You need a fresh start. You just whisper the name of Jesus. You just whisper his name. I'm going to have you stand or come forward. Our pastor's going to help you take that next connection. Maybe you're watching at a campus where you say, Dino, I just need Jesus in my life. I need a new beginning. Oh, a fresh start sounds amazing right now. If that's you, just pray this prayer from your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on a cross. I believe you died for me. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Be my everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we clap our hands for all those who made a decision?